Welcome to the third episode of VSML 2023 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me this season is the guy whose idea of a perfect night involves something sweet and messy, David Pindley. Good morning. How's your week been? Uh, hasn't been too bad, considering. Yeah, outside yes. of the obvious. Obviously, we didn't really talk about it last week, but no. uh, you didn't have a great week last week. No, I had a uh, death in the family, so... And then, you know, 12 hours later, I got to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. 12 hours later, you got to deal with me being overly happy for, for seeing my dog son. Yeah. Which is, you know, not the, the worst way to get over death in the family, but... No. I'm still sure you'd you'd rather have been literally anywhere else. Yeah. So we'll begin, as always, with the question that plagues the nation, where in the world is Logan Saunders? Well, speaking of deaths in the family... He's currently stuck in Cavendish Prince Edward Island playing paintball with a bunch of zombies. Is that right? Yeah. Which, you know, I thought was weird, but honestly, it's just nice to know the original cast of Degrassi is still getting work. Did you see his Instagram last no. night? No. He's not going back to me to answer the question, but he seems to have taken a fall somewhere in Boracay. Because oh. there is a there's an Instagram story of him with a cut on his nose and on his lip and like a fat lip as well. Ah. So he must have had a good night. Yeah, it's the cliffhanger I want to know the answers to. I want to know what is wrong with Logan Saunders' face for once. Where in the world is Logan Saunders' medical care? Yeah, exactly. I want to know the answer. And this will almost certainly be forgotten by this time next week when we record. Oh, of course. And I feel like Logan may have just beaten himself up after his catastrophic pool team. Not that I'm going to sit here for the next hour or so mercilessly ripping the living bejesus out of Logan for for losing two people in two weeks for the second time since we've been doing these pools. And last time it happened, he lost the third person the next week. It doesn't sound like you at all. It doesn't sound like me. And I know you shared my sentiment when you found out about the result. And I know Michelle did as well. Michelle sent me a message being like, I'm just so happy that this is happening again. Yeah. And his suspicions last week weren't that much better either. Because he suspected Renomi, who's blatantly not them all, Anchor and Sander as his top three. Oh, God. Yeah, which did mean that despite me joking it, everyone in the top nine has been suspected at least once by the three of us now. Half of them are just only by Logan. Yeah, Logan has by far the most exclusive suspicions, I think. And I did mention my dog son. I had another encounter with him on Saturday because um, I'd got back from running errands on Saturday afternoon and went out for my walk and sort of heard my neighbours having just taken him out. And he saw me and immediately jumped up and licked me in the face, which is the first time he's ever done that. And also now his uh, his parents have stopped telling him to uh, to get down when he jumps up at me because they know I don't mind. Aww. And then by the time that I yeah by the time that I'd finished my walk and they'd kind of done a loop with him, he saw me across the road and absolutely sprinted to me and uh, jumped up and had the sentiment of "It's been half an hour since I've seen you. Where the hell have you been?" Ah, this is entirely inappropriate. It's Ludo time. It's because you're a very good boy. Yeah, exactly. I am a very good boy. And so he's Sometimes. Not to Logan, because, you know, I'm going to be gloating a lot. But, right. yeah. I mean, I will keep boring people with the dogs and stories, I'm afraid, because he is the best. That's all right. And one bit of housekeeping from us before we actually start the episode properly. You may have noticed that Marika did say that she's away this coming weekend, which means the subtitles may be delayed. We also may be delayed next week. We don't know for certain yet. Depends how quickly I can turn around the episode but we're recording slightly later than normal next week. So there is a non-zero chance that episode four will be out slightly later, but I will try and get it as close to the usual 9pm on a Wednesday time. But live with it, essentially. We have lives. Yeah, yeah. you're getting this for free. Shut up. Yeah, exactly. It's worth the entry fee. Unless you're paying Patreon, in which case, hmm, some tears, maybe not. So previously, the final nine were shot to discover that previously executed Sarah was in charge of their first assignment, but a balls up on their part meant that she could not return. When split between a prop store and the streets of Cape Town, confusion reigned as they only earned 250 euros, but Frauke was even more confused as she became the second person sent home. How many times are they going to show that one shot of Sarah just looking cross-eyed next to the buzzwire thing? So I feel like I've seen it about four times now. Oh, they are absolutely getting their uh, their money's worth out of the buzzwire game. Yeah. 
I don't think Sarah minds that much, given that you know she's actually getting airtime out of it. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And any airtime for Sarah means we don't have to see Yura and his horrible moustache any more than we need to. Oh, God. And they are still in Cape Town on day five. Rick tells us that the group is getting smaller with both Sarah and Frauke being permanently sent home last week. Who from the final eight has shown such a poker face? In Cape Town, they will be given three assignments, one of which could see Yoka's cloud to their judgment. There's another poker face reference. Yeah, there's a lot of poker face references in the first bit of this season. It's got to be building up to something, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, unless it's just a, a clue to somebody. I'm like 90% sure that the second challenge of this episode did have some sort of clue to the mole. Yeah. Especially with the last word being so blatantly mole-centric. Yeah. But I just don't know what it is. I, I think I have an idea. I'll tell you when we get to it. So the episode title is Spoil Sport, which is something that we are quite often accused of being. And Daniel, being that he does literally all of the confessionals in this season, says that it's weird because in the first two rounds, his moles have gone. It's really pissing you off, as Frauke was an oasis of calm in the group, and we also see that Yura and Soy have been sharing secrets. Did you also spot that everyone seems to have a mobile phone? Yes. I was wondering why that is. And at first I thought, you know, maybe it was one of those weird contract things, like how Celebrity Big Brother used to give like some people private bedrooms. But, you know, now that everyone's got them, I don't know, maybe they just didn't take them away from them this year. Yeah, because... When we see the phones in like the San June assignment and stuff, they have a, a special mole back of some description to differentiate them. But I don't yeah. think either Anchor or Daniel's phones that we saw in this episode had those. No. Well, Anchor's phone was pink. I suspect that they just have stopped taking phones off them now. Yeah. Which seems weird. It could very well be that, you know, they're in South Africa, a country that isn't exactly known for getting free roaming. They yeah. know that they're not actually going to be able to use Instagram or whatever to say, oh, I'm in Cape Town. So yeah. they're just like, yeah, keep your phones in case anyone needs you. Yeah, it's not like they're in Czechia again. No. Because I don't even think this is meant as a podcast, but I had a right a right situation with my uh, my phone network not giving me free roaming anymore last year. Not that oh. I'm going to get into it, but uh, I was with them for seven years and I very much told them to go forth and multiply for their actions within the space of about 24 hours because I couldn't be arsed with them anymore. And Anka says that since the beginning, her and Daniel have been a good team. He's useful to her as a bond, whether fuck bond or not, and she trusts him. And yet again, they said it is very Daniel-focused. Which I'm not complaining about, because I like Daniel. Yeah, it's going to be the mystery of the season, I think, this for me. Not who the mole is, but why is Daniel getting so much airtime? Because I feel like he's either going to be the mole or the winner at this point. He's not in my top three this week. But we're focusing on him so much that there has to be a reason for it. Yeah. I mean, it's not the first time we've given someone like a big edit and then they've just sort of disappeared mid-season. Like, Diedrich in Oregon was a bit like this. Like, he had a huge edit the first couple of weeks and then ended up fourth, fifth, something like that. He was fourth because they actually um, held over his execution to the end. Yeah. His execution was at the start of the finale. And then we had, you know, the Nikki situation, and even Simona Vimans had a big edit for a while there. Yeah, it feels to me like he has had more of an edit than literally anyone that we have seen in his position before, assuming he's not the mole. Yeah. Even comparing him to someone like Tico, or someone like Nikki in the first few episodes, he's getting so many confessionals compared to those people. If you did a confessional count of this season, like Daniel would be twice as many as everyone else easily. On the other end of the scale, you get Renomi, who's had two confessionals, both of which were in this episode. And both of which weren't, were basically just narration. Yeah. I don't even think it's that Daniel is just a, a good narrator, even though he is, compared mm. to everyone else. Like, there's got to be a reason for him getting so much airtime, and I'm just not sure what it is. And Anka says that they're not told what they're doing, but they do get some sort of outfit hint, and the driver in their van refuses to say how far they will be driving. So he tries making small talk in the vans to help him on the test, and he is gloriously unsubtle about interrogating everyone. And they are taken to the Atlantis Dunes, which, whilst not as far as Saldana last week, notably closer to another place on the map than Cape Town, it is still 45 kilometres from the centre of Cape Town. And Rick tells us that it's the perfect place to ride quad bikes, which is exactly what they'll be doing to find money. 
at seven stations spread over the dunes, different combinations of people will need to press buttons simultaneously to earn the maximum amount, which adds up to two and a half thousand euros. To complicate things, each person only has a limited amount of time to explore the dunes, and if their clock runs out, they are out of the game. This is a very rare challenge in that we've got basically no notes on this. Yeah, this was this is one of those challenges where like competence is boring, but there's not really a way for them to be incompetent in an entertaining way. Yeah, I don't know how you'd sabotage it really, other than trying to rush ahead. And as yeah. soon as the group sticks together, you basically cut plots. Yeah. And there's like the little component parts of the challenge, like, you know, separate players having to press the buttons, be there at the same time. Those are things they've done before, but they haven't really been combined in this specific way that doesn't really quite work. Yeah. The other element of this is the fact that sand dunes are not that interesting as a backdrop. No. You need something like the absolute mess that was the dune buggy challenge in Amazing Race Australia 2 yep. to make sand dunes interesting. If you just have broad amounts of competence, I mean, you still have Anik having a panic as she goes down a very, very small dune, for example, to entertain us. But you need a small amount of jeopardy to actually make this sort of a challenge interesting. Yeah. You need, you know, like someone trying to fish and then the and then the dune buggy's going over the fishing line. Yeah. This challenge, I think, was about 10 minutes in the episode. I spent 10 minutes watching it. But then I spent about 20 minutes, half an hour, basically falling down a Wikipedia rabbit hole because of that song Nabil was singing in the van. So they find the first station, which requires Yura, Renomi, Nabil, and Sander. If one of them presses the button, it's worth nothing. Two people is 50 euros, three is 150, and four is 400 and each station can only be used once. Second station's Anik, Renomi, and Sander, and the third is Anik, Daniel, and Yura, but they find that any time there are walkie-talkies, chaos reigns on the mole. Soy says what the obvious mole tactic is, which is to race ahead and hit the buttons to nullify the station, and they return to their clocks is seven minutes left, and then reset them. Anik goes over a small hill and panics, and Soy encourages everyone to split into two groups, but Daniel cock-blocks him and refuses. Renomi actually speaks during the episode and says Daniel got so into the assignment. If he's the mole, he forgot what he was meant to be doing. And they think they got all seven. Anik thinks they missed one. Daniel's trust anchor, and she said they'd already done seven, so they let their time run out. Rick appears and tells them they did very well. They they found all the stations and pressed all the right buttons, giving them two and a half thousand euros for the pot. And I believe that is the fastest we've ever gone through a challenge on the mole. Yeah, that was like it was fine. It was not a good challenge. No, it's a it's a scenery challenge, but they're using scenery that is not necessarily that interesting. Yeah, like it's it's a pretty classic sort of Vizdemol style challenge. But after two episodes of Vizdemol does Bell here, it's just missing that spark that makes it feel entertaining. Yeah, what they need is someone doing a buzzwire at the same time and electric shocking them. Yeah, just to add to the fun of driving the quad bikes. Rick also tells them to form pairs for the next assignment and make sure that one person in each pair is a master of deception. Yura and his horrible moustache pair up with Anik, Nabil and Anka, Renomi and Soy, and Sander and Daniel are left. At lunch, they then discuss who will make them angriest if they are revealed as Mole. Soy says it's Anka because it's just not her who could be the Mole. She could be a very good Mole, but she's a bit too honest. And she tells her group that she wanted to be the Mole, and you don't have to be an actress to be the Mole, other strong women have done it before without being actresses. I did like her shutting Yura down about that. Like, Yura kind of really, really sucks. He does, but also that is the sort of quote that they come back to at the end of the season Yeah, to reveal them all. Yeah. It's the first bit of concrete evidence, I would say, that we've had that anyone could be them all. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's because I am maybe going down a little bit of an anchor tunnel now. But I feel like that's the sort of quote where she says, like, other strong women have done it, I can do it. Yeah. Where that will come back at the end where Averon says something on the phone to her like, oh, you said that other strong women could do it, so you want the chance. And it's you. Yeah. Anik says that she trusts Nabil, so he would be the worst person if he was the mole. And that essentially rules out my entire team at this point. And they are then taken back to Cape Town for the second assignment, and to the centre for the book, to be precise. 
and in front of Rick are the first two yokers of the season. He says that South Africa has no less than 11 official languages, but in this part of the country it's Afrikaans that is spoken, a language that looks similar to Dutch, but often doesn't have the same meanings. And why is it similar to Dutch, Rick? Because of the colonisation. Yes. They'll be given an Afrikaans word, and each pair must come up with a Dutch word that could mislead the others. Essentially, they're playing fibbage. Yeah. I will say that this is the sort of thing that Belkia would do. Yes. This felt like a challenge with a fair few layers to it, which is something that Vizdemol doesn't normally... Well, it's not that they don't normally do it, it's just that they don't don't normally do it well. Like, you you feel like when Vizdemol does layers to a challenge, it's like, oh, the treasurer, you know, picks how much money they're playing for, or there's some sort of, like, little gimmick to how the money is awarded, more than the actual challenge being more detailed. But this was interesting. First question on this, do you think the mole knew the definitions? Yes. Like, we've had experience with challenges like this, including an Afrikaans challenge in the other South Africa season, where the mole basically knew everything beforehand and was able to use that to inform their sabotage. And it's a pretty easy challenge to prepare for when you don't have a lot of time because, you know, it's just a quiz. Like, you don't need to go and, you know, practice archery or learn to uh, scuba dive or, you know, all of that sort of stuff. 20 minutes with a A4 page of notes, you're done. So I think this this is one where, like, I think they had at least all of the definitions. Maybe they also had, like, some fake definitions to sort of memorize so they could use those as the answers falling down the anchor rabbit hole a little bit further her and nabil do the exact tactic that i do when i'm playing fibbage here which is if you've played it before or if you know what the fact is in fibbage or whatever Mm -hmm. then you pick a lie that is close to the truth yeah so for example the music box one the music box is a lie but the correct answer is jukebox And it's plausibly close to the correct answer that you'll fool people and make them second-guess it when they see it on the screen and earn yourself points. Because the mole's best tactic is to go for the yokers and try and stop there being as much money in the pot as is physically possible. Because unlike most of this sort of a challenge, the mole can take three-quarters of the money out of this challenge easy-peasy, and then obviously they can just stop their own team getting them right as well, as long as they have a plausible guess of who it is so they're not beaten to the Yokers. Ironically, I got the jukebox one right. Yeah, I mean, when they all went for music box or jukebox, in my experience of Fibbage, you look at the two that are similar and it's going to be one of those two. Yeah. You can pretty much rule out the rest. So the first word is the Dutch for shining goose, glansgans. Renomi and Soy make it peeking duck. Annika and Joris got the first point by saying model, which Nabil and Anka fall for but Anker and Nabil are the ones who take an early lead by scoring three points with their suggestion of aeroplane, as it is actually celebrity. I want to know how they got from you know, Shiny Goose, whatever it was, to celebrity. Yeah, I don't know the etymology of it, yeah. but yet again, the model celebrity thing is another, mm. another classic Fibbage tactic. If you know what the correct answer is here, or if you have a, a rough guess, you get something close to the truth, and then you can get yourself points out of it. So I'm I'm very much watching the two women in those pairs, I will say. Yeah. I'm highly suspicious of both of them at the moment. The second word is oxygen thieves, and I think we can think of some suggestions for this one. Tigo. There we go, that's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> Edgar and Neville and Daniel and Sander both picked cigarettes, much to Yura's delight. Renomi and Toy also picked it, giving Anakin and Yura three points. They went for the elderly, which is the correct answer, earning them 50 euros for the pot. The third word is Blair Cass, which is the correct response to the mole from the original South Africa season. <sighs> <laughs> Daniel and Sander go for music box, but it's not good giving Nabil and Anchor a point. They pick telephone, which is also wrong, giving Renomi and Sawyer points. And the correct answer was jukebox, which was picked by the other two teams for another 100 euros. They then yada yada through most of the rest of the words. Anka and Reveal think that Vidim will give us the Afrikaans a street prostitute, but that was actually Euro and Anik who were responsible. And after nine questions, there is 750 euros in the pot, and both Anka and Nabil and Euro and Anik are on eight points each. 
The last word is worth double points. The final word is mole appointment, and I can't help but feel that this might end up being a clue. Yeah. Because another word for an appointment is a date, and who do we know that has formed a fuck bond with Daniel? Renoe and Soy and Daniel and Sander gossip, giving Anik and Yura four points. They and Anchor and Nabil pick MetroCard, but the right answer was Blind Date, which I think actually probably was one of the easier answers. Giving them 750 euros of 2000 for the challenge, and giving Anik and Yura the first two Yokers of the season. Did you notice, for some reason, the Yokers Rick gave out weren't the ones that were on his little table? Yeah, I was wondering about that. I don't know whether they were stuck to the podium and he couldn't take them off or something, mm. in which case that's know. a really stupid move from the set dressers. But yeah, he got them from under the podium. Mm. Presumably, if two teams have won, one of them had, one of them would have got the yokers from underneath and one would have got the yokers actually on the podium. Maybe. So they wake up on day six still in Cape Town and with Soy in a towel. He and Daniel are sharing a room, but Soy took his mulbert to the bathroom as he doesn't necessarily trust Daniel. He does think that Daniel may be smarter than he lets on, though. So they share a little bit of information. I love how this entire scene is Soy basically saying he took his journal into the bathroom because he doesn't trust Daniel. And then the rest of the scene is all about how he trusts Daniel. Yeah, he doesn't trust Daniel entirely. That's the difference. Yeah. Renomi and Anka also discuss spreading. They are each other's least suspected person. So they trust each other. I did get a big laugh of, you know, cutting from a Daniel confession where he's like, yes, I do trust someone here more than the rest. And then they just basically smash straight to Anka. Yeah, the editors are definitely playing with the fuck bond joke now. Yeah. Well, it's like how Soy said he wanted to sleep in the same room as Daniel on night one. And I'm like, boy, Daniel's getting all the fuck bondage. I get the impression from Daniel and Anka's social media that they are just good friends at the moment. Yeah. They went out for drinks at the weekend, but it's it's hilarious seeing them kind of play into the uh, the potential fuck bond joke. Good for them. I mean, I would do the same in their position. I would be hamming this up and just amusing myself. And let, let's be honest, usually when we talk about people on this show sleeping with each other, it involves Rick. <laughs> that is a very good point. So they are taken to the beautiful port of Cape Town and meet Rick outside a former icebreaker ship, which is now a training ship. All they have to do to earn 2,000 euros is find a code word and they will earn the money. Scattered over the ship are hints to the word, and the locations of those hints are hidden in blocks of ice on the ship. They will split into three groups, and only one group will be allowed to give Rick the code word in the end. This felt very Fort Boyard. It did, but also, nine blocks of ice is not much in this challenge. No. If you're gonna do this sort of a challenge, you give them hundreds of blocks of ice to find these keys. Yeah, and then like only have nine of them that actually have things in it. Yeah. They're being very generous with the pot this season so far, and I don't know whether it's because there's obviously going to be the inevitable pot drain next episode with the Jeffrey elimination game. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, this pot is, by the end of this challenge, already pretty much at the level it was at the end of last season. Three episodes in. There's there's not a lot of money in it. I'm wondering if maybe the last two seasons being so low that they had to really struggle to find people willing to do it this year? I wouldn't be surprised, but they're only, at the end of this episode, 285 euros off last season's total. Because it, like, it, it doesn't seem like we had many big names this season compared to like compared to some of the people we've had recently. Like, you know, Nikki had 12 million subscribers or whatever. There were Big soap stars in Czechia and Albania. A couple of really big names in China as well. And and then this season, the biggest name is Yura, maybe? I wouldn't be surprised if they actually listened to people's complaints and, and put a bit more money into the pot this season. Yeah. Because a lot of these three episodes that we've seen so far have been rather generous with their money. Yeah. Like, you don't usually see a €2,500 challenge this early in the season where it's actually winnable, for example. Yeah. And, I mean, they pretty much won the €2,000 here. They just got a bit greedy. And, to be fair, they don't usually wait this late in the season to put Jokers in as well. No, that is something I wanted to bring up at the end of the episode. They still haven't given out any exemptions, which is very rare, and we still haven't had a laser game. We haven't had... Up until this week, we hadn't had any yokers, hadn't had any exemptions, hadn't had a non-elimination. That's the first time they've 
basically gone three episodes without them since season two. Yeah. Like, it's crazy how much they've basically just had cash challenges the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they've changed their mindset for this season, and it's definitely beneficial, I would say. But yeah, we've had no exemptions. We've had no yokers. I meant to bring this up last week, but there hasn't been a sniff of a laser game. And laser game is traditionally episode one or two. Yeah. And it's not going to be in up to episode four. That's kind of nuts for this show. And I don't know whether they're just taking a year off the laser game or whatever, but it's still very interesting. Yeah. Did Georgia have a laser game? I feel like I would have remembered Olche playing a laser game. Yeah, I think George is the last one without a laser game. Because I think yeah. we actually mentioned that on the uh, on the historians for it, that it's a very rare season in the fact that it doesn't have a laser game. So they quickly form their groups, the Superpower Woman team, Sender and Nabil and Saw, Yora and Daniel. And it looks truly disgusting in Cape Town on the day that they filmed this. Yep. We still don't know what time of year they filmed this, but it it was definitely in the rainy season. So the boys find their ice cubes quickly, and they find three locations with keys attached, the gym, the hospital, and the emergency generator. The girls find a box which requires a key, but no ice box. And when they meet up with the boys, they argue over where they need to go, as Daniel insists that the ice blocks are the first step. Sander and Nabil also find some blocks and keys, leading them to the wheelhouse bridge, chemical lab, and lower engine room. And on each deck, there are maps detailing which rooms are on which deck. In the chemical lab, the first box is open and they receive the word break. The hospital then gives them the word practice and the gym contains the word flag. And the emergency generator word is space. How quickly did you work out the code word? Uh, it only took about two or three for me, but like I'm usually really good at those sort of puzzles anyway. So, And, and plus, like I, I can speak like a little tiny bit of Dutch. So I sort of was able to sort of work out where they were going anyway. Plus, it was a ship challenge, so, you know, like, they weren't going to make it platypus. The irony of us having an episode coming up later this year called The Skip All Mall. Yeah. And I didn't make the Skip All connection. I worked it out as a ship, but I didn't work out the Skip All pun in there until they pointed it out and were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't work that out. And also, it's not spoiling anything to say we have an episode called The Skip All Mall. If you've not seen that we do have an episode coming up called The Skip All Mall, then you need to check our social media a bit more. It is a good season we're doing for historians. It is. Because I was going to say all of the episode titles for um, for Mold Historians this year have been released, but all but one of them has, because it'll make it too obvious if I tell you the uh, the redacted one. Yeah. So the girls finally find some ice cubes, and Renomi's volunteered as she's strong. Annix thinks that she sees a key, but it's just some dust on the ground. And Renomi spends minutes hitting the ice blocks because Annix sees the keys. Or not... <laughs> It's just one of the silliest scenes I've seen on this show in years, and I I don't know how the other people didn't realise there was no keys there, because those ice blocks were not big. I fear that I'm going down an Anik rabbit hole as well, like I did with Arf, because I love Anik in a lot of the same ways that I love Arf. Not yeah. to the same extent, because Arf is obviously one of a kind, but I feel like when she goes at like final six, I'm going to be absolutely devastated. <laughs> Because she just makes every scene better. So their keys are for the aft mooring station, and they said the aft mooring station there, giving them battle, a lifeboat on the seaside, and the kitchen, and the lifeboat gives them hull, or hollow, in the lower engine room. Nabil and Sander find an envelope, but decide not to open it until the teams reunite, and they completely walk past the box in the lower engine room, and Daniel is the one who spots it, and they get their third word. I love that they just basically just tell the shot there for that long because they were just walking past it over and over and over. I mean, it's like they got Cammy and Carly to do this. I know I'm fluctuating wildly between Daniel being the mole and Daniel just being the winner of this season, but I think for this entire episode, Daniel basically just runs all of the challenges and tries to make sure they earn a lot of money. Because he runs the June challenge and he basically runs this challenge as well. That's why his team end up being the one with the dilemma at the end is it's because Daniel is just so dominant a force in this challenge yeah and also this is one of the very rare podcasts where I said the word dilemma and Logan didn't pop up in the background and go oh you're welcome the perks of Logan not being here so they open their mystery ones and one of them contains an additional card telling them that the team who goes to Rick will have a choice three yokers or 2000 euros for the pot 
their two other words are steam and wreck. The girls still have one word to find in the kitchen, but the guys between them connect the words, as I did, and make ship as their code word. And they volunteer Daniel's group to go and tell Rick on the helipad, but Sander complicates things by telling them about the offer, and that the group who goes to Rick will be given that dilemma. They agree to say €2,000 to the group, but almost immediately they say they're taking the three yokers. What would you do in that situation? Um, I think I'd definitely take the yokers. I I think the way they did it, I sort of feel like Daniel was basically looking at Eura to see, you know, how he reacted. And then as soon as Eura, you know, sort of nodded his head, Daniel was like, yeah, we're taking the jokers. And then sort of Daniel maybe suspects Eura a little bit more because I I think Daniel was going to take the jokers anyway. Like I think basically whoever was going to get there was going to take the jokers. Yeah, because 2,000 euros for three yokers is a fairly hefty price by Vidim standards. Yeah. Arguably, the second challenge kind of offsets it by having a, a low price for the yokers, but 2,000 euros is a lot of money for three yokers, normally. It feels like it's one of those situations where you're not supposed to look at, you know, who says they're going to take the yokers. You're supposed to look at who's trying to get them to take the yokers. And that was Yura and Soy? Was... Yeah, because the, the thing is, the mole's best tactic is probably to act like a contestant in this challenge and then make sure their team is the one that goes to, to see Rick. Yeah. But it's just very interesting. Mm. And this is also a challenge that they could have easily done with nine people as well as eight, because obviously they're split into three groups. But they re- they really didn't didn't need eight people here at all, like especially that you know that one shot where they're all crammed into that tiny little hallway, like you got all eight of them plus the camera guy plus you know sound guy, you know, in in a space about the size of my shower. So Rick then confirms that they have the right word and gives them the dilemma, and they obviously pick three yokers, leaving them with nothing of two thousand euros for this challenge, three thousand two hundred fifty of six and a half thousand for the episode, and eight thousand and fifty of eighteen thousand five hundred for the season so far. He also tells the boys that there is a test upcoming and the Yokus will come in handy. It's interesting that the lack of physical cash was actually a plot point here. Yeah, it's very interesting that they play on the the subversion that has happened this season with no physical mole money. Yeah. And with there being no treasurer and with people not really knowing how much money is actually in the pot. Because I don't think Rick has like actually told them at any point, has he? No. It will come back to bite them if anyone's paying attention next week, though. Because of the Jeffrey elimination game happening, if you look at the numbers on the suitcases, you'll be able to work out how much is actually in the pot. Assuming they do it the same way Bellevue did. There's definitely money on the uh, on the suitcases. Yeah. Because we saw... I think we saw one suitcase that was 2,250 in the, in the preview. Because I was paying attention to that. Okay. I was actually trying to see if you could see how much money they'd had in the pot by the time of the elimination game. Uh. So the boys decide to tell the group that they earned the money but not received it yet, preying on the fact there is no physical money this season. And Anka tells us that she would have gone for a yoker if she was given the option, but she doesn't necessarily trust that they did go for the cash. It is now time for the test. 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows these goes home except for the mole who can never go home. Yora has two yokers, and Anik, Daniel, and Soy have one yoker each. Here's where that clue comes in that I thought I saw. Because you know how we were talking about Molasprak being blind date. Oh, you're going to say Yura, aren't you? Yeah, so Yura... Well, we had Nabil even you know, pointed out because Moles are blind. And then we've got Yura holding the two jokers in front of his eyes, you know, with the words Demol facing outwards. You know, just in case. Like, it feels too on the nose to be a clue. But I don't know why they would have left it in otherwise. And also, thinking back to the dreadful Netflix Mole season... You had Kazi literally hold up the mole side of the exemption at Chain Gang going, this has got my name written on it, holding up the mole in the car. <laughs> FMK, Euro, Greg, a horde of angry mosquitoes. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> well, Greg would obviously be the K. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm saying this fully in the knowledge that this could get back to me. In the, the fucking Mary sections, I'm not sure. But Greg's the only one I'm confident on there. Yeah. The other thing that we do have to bring up if we're going for the the blind date thing 
is the fact the episode title is Spoil Sport. Yep. And I'm wondering how that's going to have played into any of these challenges. Because it seems like the sort of thing where we would make a connection on it. Yeah. It could be something like the mole was in the group that picked the yokers in that last challenge. Yeah. Was a spoil sport to the rest of the group or something. Because usually we can like at least kind of guess at what they're hinting at, but this one we've got no idea. I- I'm so confused by this season and I love it. I know, it's great, isn't it? We had that chat mm. yesterday where you're like, all of my suspects are still in, this is not fair. I'm like, yeah. welcome to my world. It's great yeah. that this is happening. I like that the cannon fodder has gone early so that, you know, we have a chance. Yeah. So Soy thinks that the mole would have been disappointed in the June assignment, but he did spot something, that Nabil was up to something, and he didn't succeed. He tried to rush ahead and push a button, but the group kept up. It is dangerous to be so tunnel-visioned, so he still spreads and plays his yoker. Nabil says that Anik is letting crazy things happen, she's making him suspicious to create a smokescreen, and it plays her yoker. Every time she starts a test, she intends to spread, but she only realises she has to at about question 11. Renomi is her number one, though. Renomi spreading on four people. Soy was number one, but is less suspicious as time goes by. Anik could also be a very good mole. Yoro plays both of his yokers and spreads on Renomi, Nabil, Anik, and also Daniel. He's done absurdly well that it's worthy of a bit of distrust, and it felt like he already knew the ship inside out. Daniel is already tunnel-visioned, he's down to two suspects, but everyone's on the same people, which is worrying to him. He spreads anyway between Renomi, Soy, and Anik, and plays his yoker. Sander has targeted Anik for a long time, but she's just sweet and messy, so she can't be the mole. Daniel also can't be the mole, as he's so fanatical in assignments. And Anker is finding it really hard. She also suspected Sarah and Frauke and they went home. She's going against her intuition and needs to do well, as there are yokers in the game and she has none to play. It's interesting that we're you know, this far in the season, we've still got multiple people spreading on four players. Yeah, I mean, next week is the first week where we're only doing two suspects. Yeah. It's getting to the borderline where you should be going down from three to two. And I know we say this every season, that there is a a rough timeline that you should. The rough formula for it is the number of people left divided by three rounded down is how many people you should be suspecting, which then gives you three until you get to seven, two until you get to four, and then one person from four onwards. But people shouldn't still be on four at this point, I would say. Rick then meets them on the deck and says that this was the first episode with the Okers, and he refuses to tell them if any were played. He then goes through everyone who didn't have a chance at a Yoka first. Renomi, Anka, and Nabil all get green screens before it is Sander who gets the red one. Now, as much as we hate to say the phrase that we told you so, two weeks ago we predicted who would go next week as it was, and both of us agreed that it would be Fraukia or Sander going next. Yep. Am I a little bit smug that both of them went in the next two weeks? Yes. How do you think I feel? I'm never right about this stuff. Oh, I know. Do I also find it hilarious that those were two of Logan's three people? Oh, yes. Yes, Yes, here we do. As a group, we maybe slightly target the least competitive person in the foursome who's involved in these mole episodes, and that is Logan. Yep. So a little bit of misfortune from Logan goes a long way, especially as he did kind of get the bullshit win last season. Yeah. It's nice to see him be on the back foot already. Well, it's not like he's ever going to get through a whole season without suspecting them all, so... Yeah, that, that would never happen, would it? No. It definitely didn't happen in the last historians we released. No. He didn't switch at the end to the wrong person. Much to... Oh wait, our amusement! I forgot about that. Yeah. I believe we may have taken the piss out of him for about half an hour for doing that. That doesn't sound like us, I don't know. So Sander says he went full on one person, much to Rick's shock. I love how Rick couldn't even hide his kind of shock at Sander being that much of a moron. And he says that he was too honest about the note that he received. Well, at least we won't have to hear about Rocky's charity until the reunion now. So next time, a rotating crate maze causes havoc, a duck gets transported while Daniel flies over Stellenbosch, and the pot is in danger as the Jeffrey Elimination game is adapted. And I think that is now the end of our Cape Town challenges. I hope so. I like like Cape Town, but it's time to move on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that by the end of next episode they're in Stellenbosch, because it looks like they're in a winery of some description. But I'm pretty sure the 
the helicopter that Daniel was in was flying over Stellenbosch. Yeah. And I think the crate maze may have also been in a winery of some description, so I suspect that they're moving on to Stellenbosch in the next episode. Yeah. I wonder if they're doing the crate maze instead of the laser game. Because it feels like the sort of, you know, substitution you'd make. What I do think is interesting is the the fact that there is still a location that is north of Cape Town that evidently they go to, which is actually quite close to Saldana on the map. Yeah. But it sort of doesn't make sense transport-wise for them to go there. Hmm. Unless they go there next week and go to Stellenbosch after that. But it doesn't make a lot of sense for them to have that northern bit. Yeah. Or to go to Stellenbosch, then to the northern bit that's close to Saldana, and then to what they've dubbed Wilderness, which yeah. is where I presume the the final few episodes are going to be. And I think from the map that lines up to where, well, what used to be Port Elizabeth is. Yeah. But maybe they're just calling it Wilderness to get around trying to have to explain that the name's changed. Yeah, I mean, it was still Port Elizabeth when I flew back from there. We'll almost certainly get to this if they do end up going to the artist formerly known as Port Elizabeth, but the end of my South Africa trip was a um, a safari reserve, sort of about an hour and a half from Port Elizabeth, so we flew home from Port Elizabeth. So, with Sander going home, Logan now only has Renomi left, much to my delight. Michelle still has Soy, Yura, and Anik, and I have Daniel, Anchor, and Nabil. Removing Sander improves Logan's scores 5.47. If you adjust to out of 7 now, Logan's team is 4.63 out of 7, mine is 4, and Michelle's is 3.79. Six people, Matt, Reed, Jack, Sean, Michelle and I all had Sander in last. I mean, our current leader is Reed with a perfect score of 28 because he had both Fraukia and Sander in his bottom two. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's impressive. Even though it's only two, three weeks into the season, it's impressive to have a perfect score at this point. Four people, Reed, last week's leader, Alan, David and I all have scores of 30 or lower, which is pretty damn good because I think I'm on 30. David's on 30 and Alan's on 29, so only one or two off uh, off the perfect answers at the moment. No one had him in first, as discussed last week, but I would like to draw attention to who has the worst record so far, and that is Logan Saunders with a score <laughs> of 40 points. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah, I did warn you when, um, when we were discussing this yesterday that I was going to be quite mean to Logan this episode, and it did really make me laugh that Logan does currently have the worst record of anyone who did first suspicions this year. <laughs> The order is now Yura and Kasoy, Anik, swap back from last week, Nabil, Daniel, and Renomi. And as of Sunday evening, Soy is the most suspected person by the Netherlands with 20%, followed by Anik on 17, Nabil on 15, Anka on 13, Renomi and Daniel on 12, and Yura bringing up the rear on 11%. You can do the Bothers Bar suspect list each week at suspectlist.rtvwarriors.com or at the link in our bio if you can't be bothered, or it's in the episode notes as well. And only one suspicion has been removed this week, and that is Logan's suspicion of Sander from last week. And as I mentioned, this is our final week of three suspicions. Who do you suspect? First, it's going to surprise you, it's still Yura. Really? Um, Didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah, I know. Like, I I still think there's too much going on there for him to be faking it. Second is Nabil. I don't know. I feel like there's things sort of starting to build together. I don't know whether he's just, you know, starting to pretend to be the mole or whether I'm just starting to notice things, but it's getting there. You feel the same way I did last week. There was just something about Nabil last week that yeah. set my my alerts off a little bit. I'm just hoping that Eurovision song isn't a clue. What if it is a clue to Eurovision? Oh, God. I've put that out there now, haven't I? <laughs> I have to listen to this off the podcast, people. So third is Anka. You know, same same sort of thing. Like, things are starting to build up. But also, I think it would be, like, a really fun story if Daniel wins, basically because he fucked her to get close to her. Fourth is Anik, because that wouldn't be quite as much fun. We're going to lose so many points when Anik goes home, aren't we? I know. Like, I, I love Anik, but I don't think she's the mole. Fifth is Soy. I think he, he sort of had like a really quiet week where like I can't find a single thing he really did. Even with the boat thing, like it was all Yura and Daniel deciding on the jokers. Soy was barely there. Yeah, so Soy had like a really quiet week and then obviously it's not Renomi and it's not Daniel. So my suspicions are Anchor, 
Anik, and Soy as my top three this week. Yeah. The reason that I've had to put Anik in there is, number one, obviously she'd be amazing if she was the mole. Oh, yeah. In an halfway. As much as, obviously, I don't necessarily suspect it's her, I said this a lot during the Hong Kong-Philippines episodes, but imagine if someone like Alf was the mole. Imagine if it was just the bumbling, older female in the cast. I mean, Anik's not that old. Anik's older than Alf was, but... Yeah, 51, something like that. She's not ancient. Yeah. She's not as old as people were treating Alf like she was. Yeah, she's not a Renai. No, but I would love it if someone like Anik was. Anchor yeah. is fairly obvious because I'm getting slowly into a tunnel with Anchor, I think. Yeah. And given that the focus has been on Daniel so much as we've discussed a lot in this episode, it feels like we're going to be in a situation where the person who wins the season is probably the closest person to them all because we've not had that for a while. And the main bond that we are seeing over and over and over and over again is Daniel and Anchor. So I feel like maybe. The reason Daniel's getting so much airtime and Anchor's getting a hell of a lot of airtime as well, it's probably those two and Soy who are getting a majority of the airtime. The reason that I think Daniel's getting so much airtime is because he is going to be the person to solve who the mole is and he's going to unmask his fuck bond, Anchor, as the mole. Yeah. Soy is just getting far too much airtime. I actually think he might go home next week. I think probably in the Jeffrey elimination game would you a quote-unquote shock. Maybe Logan will get a reprieve and keep Renomi. Mm. I've put Soy in third, just on the off chance that he is still someone who is actually suspicious. So my fourth is Nabil. He's still kind of bubbling under the same way as last week. I don't suspect him as much as I did last week, but we still had we still had Soy drawing attention to Nabil maybe being a bit sus. Then it's everyone's favourite Daniel. I fluctuate between thinking he's the mole and thinking he's going to win. Then it's Yora, and then for obvious reasons it's Renomi. It's not her who's the mole. She's had zero airtime and she wouldn't say yes. The slight clue that I think we had is usually when someone gets executed, we don't really see who their suspicions are, unless everyone's on the same suspicions. Sander's suspicions was that he targeted Anik for a long time, but she's just so sweet and messy and can't be the mole. And Daniel is also not the mole because he's too fanatical. We know for a fact that he went all in on someone, and we know he didn't go all in on Anik or Daniel. Yeah. Those two still cannot be the least suspicious person in this cast because of that, I would say. I hope you went all in on Renomi for no reason. Oh, so do I. That'd be so funny. And I mean, let's be honest, we haven't had Logan's suspicions yet. I think he'll probably put Renomi as number one, and I think it will also be hilarious if he does put Renomi as number one. Yeah. And, like, you know, I like Sander, but he seems like probably the worst Vierstemol player we've had in a long time. He's very Joachim. Yeah. I made this connection in week one, and I think he feels like a even less successful Joachim. I can say that. Final question as always, is who do you think's going home next week? Because we know it's an execution. Uh, if it's a normal episode, probably Renomi. If Renomi wins the exemption or whatever is happening with the briefcases, maybe Anik? I don't think it'll be Daniel or Anka. It won't be Yura. Soy, I think, is getting too big of an edit. So that really doesn't leave a lot of options. And I think Nabil had a little bit more airtime this week. Yeah. My feeling on why it might be Soy, and I'm just putting this out there to make sure Michelle loses the team member if it is him, is if you think back to when the Jeffrey elimination game happened, and we don't know whether it's the Belgian format, where they can buy yokers out of the money that's in their briefcase, or whether it's the German format where they couldn't. Yeah. But the person who went home in both of those cases was a pretty big character in the episodes up to that point. They weren't mm. the biggest character of the episodes, but they were a pretty big loss for the season. In Jeffrey, Jeffrey was best friends with the mole of that season, and he had a pretty big edit for someone who didn't do that well. And it was Wolfgang, I think, in the German one, who was the sort of token, really old guy who was in his 70s, I think. Mm. And he was a big part of the first few episodes until he went home in the Jeffrey Elimination game. 
And if they're going to adapt that again, the main person that they would target would be someone like Soy to make it a big loss for both the pot and potentially the season. And then, yeah, obviously, Renomi's not going to last forever, I don't think. I certainly yeah. don't think she's getting a Rocky situation, which her archetype probably would be. Hmm. So it's one of those two for me, I think, next week. I think the other thing to consider is Fears de Mol needs a non-elimination at some point. If it's not next week, and if it's not the week after, they're leaving it really late this season, because then we'll be down to you know five people. I think if they do the Jeffrey elimination game with a non-elimination, I'm going to be slightly annoyed next week. You need to have the consequences of that money being able to leave the pot. Like, if it's not next week, it's not the week after, then somehow... Anik or Renomi is going to make it to episode 6 with no edit. I mean, Anik has had more of a an edit than than Renomi, at least. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the most recent season to have five executions in a row outside of, like, last season where they had to have an execution every single episode was Czechia. Czechia went to week 6 before a non-elim. It, it feels like we've normally had one by now, though. Oh yeah, traditionally they do one kind of week three, week four. Yeah. But we know for a fact that if they're doing the Jeffrey Elimination game that they cannot do a non-elim next week, which means it's going to be at least episode five. Mm. Which is very interesting. So, have you got anything else you want to say? No, I'm good. Excellent. In that case, thank you for listening to our Vs to Mole 2023 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another new mole in South Africa. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Biddles is on Twitter at the Grim Recapper, and I'm MJ Harmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles, and we'll see you next week. That's not my poop deck. <laughs>